The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for the internet. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic for the internet, and people call me... Hey, guy. Hey, guy. People don't call me. Please call me. Oh, I'll call you late for dinner. I feel like we did that joke recently. Uh, All this month on Cancel Too Soon, it is our pilot season, which means two things. One, we are reviewing only failed pilot episodes for series that never went to series. And we are also doing a whole bunch of bonus episodes for bonus podcasts. These are pilot episodes or podcasts Mm. that are going to eventually be exclusive to our Patreon Listeners, but the pilot episodes everyone can listen to. We've already done uh, Cancel Too Soon, the home game, mm-hmm. which is all about a game show, uh, various defunct game shows throughout history. Uh, we did Average Fest, in which we would review uh, movies, which are very average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most recently, we just put out The Randomizer, in which Whitney and I review random episodes of TV shows we've never seen to see if we can figure out what the heck is going on. And we just started with Desperate Housewives. And I feel like we had a thumb on it, but only Desperate Housewives fans would know for sure. Uh, we've we've had some fun reactions from people who said it was amusing to see us try to figure it out, and we were like 50-50. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Um, and then later on, just before the end of the month, we're going to debut our last episode, All the Best, which will be the first in a series of podcasts in which Whitney Seibold and I review every single movie ever nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards mm. in order. Year, year by year, in yeah. order. Which is going to be rough around those times where there's like ten nominees. But uh, we still have one more just pilot episode to get through uh, for pilot season before uh, the Cancel Too Soon Awards uh, come in at the beginning of May. It's been a long year, and we just kind of <laughs> wanted to, you know, take a take a breather. You know, do some kind of normal. You know, some some just nondescript, something really basic, something we can just kind of fall asleep to. Uh. And instead, we did a sci-fi colonial <laughs> medicine, super old princess fish monster puke show Here's- about transforming into pumas and oceans of blood. Here's the elevator pitch. There isn't one. There's no. There's no way to sum up this show simply. This is like. This is like Wild Palms. Well, there's more. a reason like, it's like, like Wild Palms. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's let's see how they tried to market mm. White Dwarf. This Tuesday, Fox takes you on an adventure beyond your imagination. I've been here for 500 years. Do you know what it's like to live forever? I understand you have a dirty little war going on between the light and dark sides. Journey to a mystical planet. A primitive planet governed by a white dwarf star system. Oh, it just seems so promising. Of dark forces. <laughs> Barbaric laws of this place demand my presence during executions, but you don't have to watch. 
ancient kings. Damn dark side savages would skin us all. Magical healers. Why don't you show me how to use the gloves? Have you got ten years to spare? We cannot lose our king. And eternal love. Will I see you again? If you're not afraid of the dark. From executive producers Francis Ford Coppola and Bruce Wagner comes an extraordinary motion picture event. White Dwarf. World premiere Tuesday on Fox. Tuesday. We know you're home. You what know, else are you going to do? You're, you're, you're not going out to movies. Oh, you know what? You know what people were watching instead, though? Because White Dwarf. Uh-huh. White Dwarf aired on May 23rd, 1995. I watched it. I did too. Oh my God! <laughs> Isn't that so weird? No matter where we were, we were joined in our White Dwarf experience. But it aired in it was, the... it was you, and it was me, and it was nobody no. else. You know why? Because everyone else was watching big two part episodes of Wings and Full House. At the same time. And they both, like, destroyed White Dwarf in the ratings, like, for obvious reasons. <laughs> Fox had no idea what to do with this. Uh, White Dwarf is a sci-fi series, or it would have been a sci-fi series, ended up making it to a TV movie, um, about a doctor in the mm-hmm. future, in the year is it 3050? It's a 3040. Three th- it's 3040. They actually say, and this pisses me off more than usual, because mm. if, you, if you've if you heard me talk about like period pieces before, you know it always pisses me off when mm. they say, give the year and then say A.D. A.D. comes before the year. Uh, it stands uh, for in the uh, year of our Lord, uh, and anno, then the year comes anno, after. Anno Domini, it stands for. Yeah, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. So people, people always say A.D. after the year because mm. that's how they know about B.C., Anyway, this one they do it doubly worse because they say the in the year of our Lord thirty forty A.D. You didn't need the A.D. Well, you know what? You actually had it right for a minute. Maybe A.D. stands for something different. Mm. Maybe it's like hyphen A.D. and it's mm. like a star date. And yeah, we don't, and we don't really know what year it is. Ooh, it's like in Dune they say it's ten thousand one ninety nine ten thousand one ninety one, but I don't think it's A.D. ten thousand one ninety one because there's not humans or Earth. It just lets you and know. We don't that... know what year or what planet we're talking about. So, so it's yeah. someday. It's yeah, just some point in the future. It's one of my favorite gags in any historical comedy is in Monty Python's The Life of Brian when they mm. say like Judea mm. AD 32 mm. around tea time right <laughs> like, Thursday afternoon yeah yeah like like that's gonna really mm. matter oh that narrows it down thanks <laughs> uh, anyway it's AD 3040 mm. and a highfalutin uh, snarky drunk asshole doctor played by Neil McDonough from Legends of Tomorrow mm. Uh, he and, and many other things. He's you've had seen quite him, a prolific career. He's, you've seen him in everything. He was M. Bison in Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun Li. He was the <laughs> guy uh, who held an entire hotel hostage mm. in both Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 and the more recent film Game Over Man. He did that twice in two different movies. Um, he was he played a character named Lieutenant Hawk in Star Trek First Contact. Oh yeah, and Lieutenant Hawk was supposed to be a gay character. No kidding. And, and they cut that detail out of the final script. Mm. Or, or I think if you get the novelization, he has he has a boyfriend or a husband. Weird. Uh, he's he's one of the cops in Minority Report. He's just been in everything. Oh, he was Dum Dum Dugan in uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. Oh, so yeah, you've seen him in everything. You've seen him everything. So this is one of, but he's you, he's rarely a starring role. This was his starring role, mm. and he plays a hotshot young city doctor, Doctor Park Avenue, Doctor Driscoll Rampart. Ooh, doesn't that sound like a cool name? Bet oh. you wish you were him. Uh, and 
he has to do like an internship like somewhere before he can start his own private practice. And he just plans to start his own rich private practice in New York, deal with Spe- wealthy, uh, wealthy people. Specializing in diseases of the rich. Yeah, basically. That's all he cares about. But his idea was he's going to go to the far reaches of the galaxy, to like some frontier planet, mm. get a whole bunch of war stories so that he can tell them when he comes back and he'll seem like really popular at parties, That's- which is a really stupid idea. Well, that's, that's the only that's reason what, you're doing this? That's what Dr. Bashir did, Frontier Medicine. Remember in the pilot of Deep Space Nine? He goes like, but oh, did he- I wanted to choose this really rough assignment because this is really exciting. And Kira says, you asshole, this is not exciting. This is just misery. Here's the thing, though. He wanted to stay out there. He didn't want to come get a couple of stories and then rollick right back. He studied Frontier Medicine because he actually loved the idea of the adventure. Yeah. Driscoll doesn't want the adventure. He just wants the stories. Yes. Um, so he comes and, to the- And he's very open about that. He tells that to everybody he meets. Yeah, like, like we're all gonna sympathize with you. Mm. Like, he's, he's just maybe the shittiest protagonist we've ever had. Well, he, he's a young cynic, and he becomes less cynical as the, the show goes on. So mm. I, think, I think it's a good arc for him. Uh, the planet, which was called Ruska? Uh, Rusta. Rusta. Like Rasta, but with a U. Got it. The planet is uh, kind of uniquely designed in that... It does. I guess it doesn't rotate, or it rotates around stars that also rotate, because one half is always light, mm-hmm. and the other half is always dark, and that never changes. Yeah. So you can just walk on over, like, across this giant wall that well, divides and, them from sunlight to darkness. Yeah, there's, it's not, it's clearly not sun-based, because the planet is also encircled by these, like, weather-controlling spheres that were built millennia ago, and nobody knows their true origin. Mm-hmm. And, but they're breaking down, and people are starting to get weird coughs. Yeah, they're, they're breaking down. There's some of them fall from the sky, but I think those things are what's keeping the planet light and dark because there's no like evening or dusk or dawn part of this. Yeah, it's just you know noon, and then there's a wall, and it just turns well, pitch black as and, soon as you cross. That and I wall. think it's clearly like modeled after at least the idea of it mm-hmm. as a frontier thing. It's modeled after basically this is a show about a doctor going to frontier Alaska. In, like, 1860, yeah. or whatever the fuck. Like, and that's the way it would be at the time. Mm-hmm. It would be all day for a part of the year, be all night for a part of the year, and it would mess with you. Um, but there's also this weird fantasy crap going on. There's so- a whole bunch, <laughs> and, and there's the deal. Usually, uh-huh. when you're seeing, like, some sort of show where there's weird fantasy crap, they'll, like, pick a thing and go with it. Like, oh, and vampires are real. Or, uh, mm. oh, yeah, and aliens have landed. This is, like, 80 different things going on at once. So, so it's really hard to tell what's important and what's just stupid. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the light and the kingdom of the dark. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of the light is ruled over by hedonism bot. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, specifically, uh, uh, Roy Brocksmith, uh, who, of Steel Justice fame, basically reprising uh, his role from Steel Justice. It's it, it, he found a niche <laughs> as a performer. He's he's very very good. We've talked yeah. about Roy Brocksmith before. He's he in just total he, recall. he spends most of the time reclining and uh, yeah. uh, 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 talking up his own ego. He says, "I have I have this pain in my side," and he takes off his shirt and he's got this really elaborate corset on underneath. Mm-hmm. And Paul Winfield, we'll get to him, uh, says, "You need to take off your corset." I will not do such a thing. <laughs> 
And Neil McDonough like learns very quickly just to flatter this guy because yeah. that's all he's looking for. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, the dark side mm-hmm. is, uh, is ruled over by an old like, guy King, in like King a... Wednesday from Mister Rogers' neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the dark side. Okay. King, sorry, King Friday. The light side is like an old west show. It's like Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, but in space. The dark side is like sub Xena warrior princess fantasy. Like it, you have a king who literally mm. wears that giant like crown Plastic butter crown. hat. Yeah, yeah. Like like this Burger King hat, but he wears it all the time. Like even when he's like riding around on a horse, and I'm just mm. like, you don't have to wear it all the time, sir. Mm. <laughs> Lord, you don't have to wear the helmet all the time. Uh, that, that's that's part of his skull. He's a space alien. Yeah. Eventually, we meet an immortal princess who actually wears that giant conical like that big hat, cone dunce cap with the cloth hanging. <laughs> Which I yeah. haven't seen like in a movie a, in forever. I, I, Remember when that was a thing? I, I don't think that was even in the Adventures in Robin Hood in 1938. You know, this, this that's something you only see in like high school stage, not even high school, like uh, elementary school stage productions. Yeah, Mike Nesmith wore it in an episode of The Monkees. It's that sort of thing. All right. So, uh, okay. So we have mm. the Doctor's plot and we have the plot of the planet. Mm. Let's, uh, uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh... Let's go to the Doctor's plot, because he's kind of the focus of it. Okay, um, so, so Driscoll he, Rampart is going to be serving under a doctor. Dr. Akata. Yeah, played by the great Paul Winfield. You know Paul Winfield from Star Trek II, mm. uh, the, the Terminator. Mm. Uh, you've seen him. He's a great, great actor. Um, he plays a frontier and, and doctor. he passed away kind of recently, didn't he, Paul Winfield? That was like 10 years ago, but it was oh, still okay. too recently. He was yeah. too young at the time, if you ask me. Um, oh, and two, Died in 2004. I thought it was yeah, and he was only in his now, 60s, yeah. so it was, it's tragedy mm. on many levels. Um, but, uh, yeah, he plays a frontier doctor. He's from this planet, and he has no patience. He plays like he actually is fine with Driscoll's attitude, but you then can... the second the second he has a chance, he sabotages and humiliates him. Well, for, and, for, and you can tell he's not going to put up with this guy from frame yeah. one. Because like, Driscoll goes Driscoll's into, like talking and he's like speechifying out the wind, out yeah. the window. And Paul Winfield okay. is like just sitting in a chair rolling his eyes. Yeah, shut up, kid. You yeah. have no idea what you're talking about. Paul Winfield is actually out there healing the sick using techniques Driscoll has never even heard of. And Driscoll's just like, oh, it's not as dirty as I thought it would be. Oh, that's a shame. That won't be as good a story for when I get home. So, <laughs> I'm going to drink now. Out of his little flask. Mm-hmm. Um, those techniques you mentioned involve some really clever backward-running film. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Arcata has these kind of magical rubber gloves. Tissue gloves. Tissue gloves that he takes out of a tray and they just sort of like magically attach to his hands. And you can tell he's you can just tell taking they, them off. Yeah, you can just, tell they just snapped them off and they just ran the film backward. But it works. It looks like, kind of weird. Cool. Yeah. Like it looks like magic and gloves. That, and like, that lets him works. like reach his hands like right into people's abdomens and just mm-hmm. pull out whatever nastiness might be in there. The nastiness most commonly being the Godhead, which is a really nasty parasite that lives in a nearby swamp and, like, infects people really frequently. Yeah. And is really, really hard to get rid of because it, like, leaves babies inside you as yeah. it goes. So it basically it burrows this... up your body to get to your brain because it has, you have something in your brain that it wants to eat. Yeah, so it's this giant slug. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, 
The spiky, gross red slug monster. Yeah, it's like the size of one of those little aliens from Men in Black who like mm. controlled the video screens. And it just crawls around inside your innards and it leaves eggs. And then the eggs start getting into your brain and the eggs start driving you nuts. And apparently in the religion of this uh, of this world, the eggs get into your brain. You don't get to go into heaven. And you're just like, <laughs> what the fuck? That's pretty twisted. It's really gross. And um, uh, it's especially twisted later in the movie when somebody is deliberately infected by one of those things and it's put in the bottom of their foot. So it has the longest trip mm. is to go up your leg and through your whole body all the way up to your brain delicious mm. so uh driscoll rampart it turns out uh that he's not fully prepared for this whole godhead thing he passes out he also has a weird moment where he's like oh there's doctor you're needed and so dr Akata mm. goes to handle the whole godhead thing and driscoll is left alone and he winds his finds his way into a room with dead bodies in them, and he looks like he's never seen one before. <laughs> and I'm watching this, and I'm just like, come on! I know he's a shitty young doctor, but he, you have to deal with the dead. Mm. That's actually, like, part of med school, is getting used <laughs> Pathology, to Pathology. Yeah. Rem- remember Ring of Terror from MST3K? <laughs> when the entire plot was med students dealing with corpses and being scared and eating sandwiches? Like, it's... It's really bad. That's actually one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, to be perfectly honest. But there was some, there was a nugget of truth in it. Do you ever see that movie Pathology about like the hotshot drunk drug taking pathologists who would like one of them would sneak out into the night and murder somebody, and then when that body came back to the pathology lab, the other pathology students had to figure out how they killed him. That was the plot oh, of the movie. That's actually a cool idea it's for a, a movie. It's kind of a fun premise. I saw Gross Anatomy, and I thought that one was kind of neat. I saw that one too. It's okay. No one talks about it anymore, but that's a perfectly serviceable college drama. Starring Matthew Modine. Daphne Zuniga. Ah, good old Daphne Zuniga. I always liked her. Anyway, we got off track. Because White Dwarf... It's easy to do when you're talking about White Dwarf. There's a lot going on. So, So meanwhile, uh, at this whole clinic where Driscoll and Akata work... There's a trio of orphans. There's a trio of orphans. There's a pair of identical twins, one of whom is a normal young girl. They look like about, about, what, ten? They're like eight. Eight or... Yeah, they're they're younger. I'm always bad with ages. They're Mm. eight. Um, and but one what? of them is one of them looks like a normal little girl. The other one looks like an old lady in a little girl's body, kind of like the little kids from Akira. Mm. Um, they're also because, because of a, like a disease she had contracted. Yeah, um, her parents were frontiers people uh, who were killed by roving ravagers from the dark side of the planet, and you can tell that they're bad because they have villain goggles. Yeah, you know those villain goggles that they would only give bad guys and shit like Highlander Two, like these mm. sci-fi goggles, those big round ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they had villain goggles, so you knew you knew shit was going down. Yeah, so those, those kids are goggles. A friend of mine in high school wore wore a pair of those around constantly. Yeah, uh, there's also a little kid named Never. Uh, Never has a has Proteus syndrome, which means he sometimes transforms into other stuff, and he's introduced. <laughs> it's, a, it's a disease that turns him into a shapeshifter. Yeah, and as a result, he's ostracized. He is not trusted. When he is introduced to Driscoll, he introduces himself. He actually reached into Driscoll's mind, plucked oh, right. out. Also, he's psychic. Also, by the way, yeah. <laughs> be sure to mention that. Detail. That's actually incidental. They don't even talk about mm. that. The weird thing is, he's a shapeshifter. I'm like, he went into my head. And plucked out an image of my dead wife and mm. turned into my dead wife and said he loved me. While, by the way, I was playing an epic game of tetherball. It was a pretty good game of tetherball. Yeah. 
There's a lot of tetherball in this show. In, in frontier future sci-fi steampunk Victorian world, this is the, we this also is, have tetherball. This is the big pastime. People don't really read <laughs> or watch TV. They play tetherball. Didn't you play tetherball as a kid? As little kids. Yeah, but it wasn't 30, 40 in the future. Like, <laughs> I imagine we didn't even have hover tetherball or something or hollow ball. Or... It's, it's the frontier. They can't afford that hoverball crap. That, not your big city hoverball. <laughs> There's a lot of, seriously, though, there's a lot of somber scenes of depressed people playing tetherball by themselves. Mm-hmm. There's like three <laughs> in like the first episode of White Dwarf. Surely it would come back. It turns out that tetherball is like, is another person with Proteus Syndrome. Oh. Who turned into a tetherball pole. Uh, oh, and. No, uh, that, that, I made that part up. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Would not be surprising yeah, in White yeah, Dwarf. Yeah. Uh, and they are joined by CCH Pounder. Who's just sort of the cranky nurse, really. Yeah, she gets some really odd costumes. Most of the costumes she, are either like high school production of Romeo and Juliet costumes or reasonably respectable like Old West costumes. Mm. And she gets these like really tall hats. She gets like a really tall nurse hat and she wears a bustle. Like, a, like yeah. one of those gigantic rumps uh, that you wear underneath your petticoat. Yeah. Yeah, but there's another, there's which another is impractical costume. if you're a nurse. And there's another costume she has towards the end that makes her look like a big, you know, like those poofy things you get you have for the shower. Yeah, you know, like they're just like plastic but poofy, and you put uh. the soap on them and you scrub them, and they're all like fruit. It's called yeah. it's called a poofy. It's called well, she's <laughs> got a she's called. got a she's got a dress that makes her look like a poofy, <laughs> like one of those poofy things you find in the shower, and it's just this sort of thing where it's just like you know everyone else gets to like. Not have the weird sci-fi outfit. Mm. Strange. Um, I digress. Anyway, to the the plot between the kingdoms, however. So now oh, we yes. have now we have Neil McDonough, and that's his setup. And the presumably the premise of the show was going to be him having frontier medicine adventures, kind of like Doctor Quinn, mm-hmm. but but in, in, but in a sci-fi Victorian context. Honestly, it's not a bad idea. So far, we're good. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with just that much. However. <laughs> <laughs> we also have the light and the dark to deal with and the w- warring kingdoms and the civil war that's about to break out. So we also have the dark side. And there's a big plot to get a war started. Well, there's and been it's like kind of co- difficult to follow. There's been a cold war going on for mm. many, many years between the dark side and the light side. Right. And one of the ongoing plots is there might finally be a peace treaty. However, the fiancé of the princess of the dark side... Mm. A guy who looks and acts exactly like Michael Bolton, but is not. Boring, McBland, white villain man. Yeah. Mm. Uh, He has schemed in order to to keep the war going because... I've hired you to help me start a war. That's a prestigious line of work. (laughs) Yeah, but no, it is Princess Bride, but you're just sort of like, I don't understand what his motivation is, but I guess he really wants one. And um, well, he he wants the kingdom, and he wants to take. He's confident that he can seize and take over the light side and have the whole plan for himself. Great, good for um, him. I guess the dark side is a little uh, like it's not just dark, but they're also like kind of wicked. They have public executions on the dark side. Mm. Uh, oh no, no, but that's that's both sides. Oh, it's both sides. Both sides have that because what happens is um, we actually find out that on the wall there is a prison. A oh. prison that is run by a fish monster and a dog man. We have not oh. had any of those yet, and they show up like about halfway through the episode, so it's, it's really it's jarring. It's a little shocking. Yeah, the fish monster. Yeah, it's like it's a, a physical actor, mm. but he's yeah the 
the, oh, what is the character? Orf, Orgus? Or, uh, Osh. Osh. Osh? Osh. 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 The character of Osh. Yeah. He is, he's the warden war- of the keep. Osh, warden of the keep. And yeah, he, he has got a gigantic head that's about the size of, of his torso and it's, mm. you know, a practical effect. So he's got this big moving mouth and he looks kind of like a distorted the, human voice. So he speaks English. He looks kind of like the monster that shows up at the end of Evil Dead 2. Like a little, yeah, not but, that big, but, but he pretty looks, big. He looks like a person wearing that. Yeah. Yeah, so like the thing in Evil Dead 2, we just saw its head, and presumably there was a big body behind it. This yeah. was just like a, a little guy with a big head. Yeah. That's Osh. And Osh can puke fluid into your mouth. Mm-hmm. Using a proboscis. Using a, a really creepy, not at all phallic proboscis mm-hmm. that spews white fluid into your mouth. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he does this, you cease aging. Yeah. And on this world, that is the ultimate punishment, is being force-fed this proboscis juice Uh and essentially being forced to live forever. No, live forever in prison. prison. You don't even get to enjoy anything. Now, that said, they actually do do take pretty okay care of you in there, but, you know, you're bored the whole time. And we meet a person named Princess X. Lady X. Lady X. Lady X. Who is dressed like the the princesses (laughs) of yore with the conical hat. Because she's a character from Mega Man, I guess. And she's she's been alive for, like, thousands of years. Mm. And she hates it there. And she, she actually, the one thing that's actually kind of interesting, and I wish they'd have gotten a chance to explore more, was she has this. Osh is in love with her. Mm. She is not in love with Osh, but they've the, they're the only people who've like they've known for thousands of years. Mm. Like they've been Osh, together this whole time, yeah, so they Osh, have this Osh connection. Is also Im- Presumably immortal, or at least incredibly long-lived. We find out he is immortal, but he is devolving over time, and that within a hundred years, he will become a mindless fish monster. And the mindless fish monsters are what they use to execute people. Oh, I thought that was only Morgus. Was that Morgus or Osh who was devolving? I thought Osh was devolving. I thought Morgus was devolving. Everyone's devolving. <laughs> I thought Osh was just Osh. Everyone's devolving should be a shirt. <laughs> With a big exclamation point. That's our... yeah, go, go on the Devo website. They probably got something like that. Canceled too soon, the musical. Everyone's devolving. Every, exclamation point. Everyone is devolving. So Osh might be devolving. Morgus might be devolving. But mm-hmm. yeah, Morgus is the dog man. Yeah. And he's normally proportioned, and he looks a lot like the orcs from Bright. He, and, like, he's got the bald head and the weird ears, mm-hmm. but also, like, a little black dog nose. He looks like uh, uh, the dog version of the cowboy from that movie Freaked. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You ever saw that movie Freaked? Oh, well, the, the it's ca- a great comedy. Freak- it's really funny. Freaked is one of the finest pieces of cinema ever committed to celluloid. <laughs> it's directed uh, but, by, by Alex Winter, uh, Bill from Bill and Ted. It's really a very, very funny movie. <laughs> I, I like to think if there was anything strange in Bill and Ted, it was entirely due to Alex Winter. That's probably true. Mm. Yeah. Because um, Freak is one of the weirdest ass movies you'll see. You may have noticed that the White Dwarf sounds very strange. Mm. There's a reason for that. Oh wait! And did we get to everything? No, there's more to there, get well, to. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to more. Plot. I, I think, think. I think we've laid the foundation of where the world is set. And I think we've already clearly articulated why this show wasn't picked up. <laughs> because it's hard. To what? Sum up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This show. Well, first off, it was produced by Francis Ford Coppola, making his second appearance this month. <laughs> uh, Francis Ford Coppola and sci-fi don't mix terribly well. I think we've discovered. 
Um, but you, you're fond of his Dracula, yeah? I think his Dracula has a certain Grand Guignol charm. Mm. I, um, I, I think he's, like, aiming for Ken Russell, and Ken Russell Ken Russell's sitting somewhere going, oh, you fool. Well, fair enough. But <laughs> I still enjoy that movie. But that's but that's fantasy. Well, yeah. when he, once it comes to, like, the big high concept shit, like the people, mm. or White Dwarf. <laughs> and uh, this comes written by Bruce Wagner. Now, Bruce Wagner... Uh, Writes weird shit. Uh, probably his most accessible like piece of writing uh, in terms of movies would be uh, he's I, I, th- I don't think he's solely credited, but he wrote the screenplay for Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. Okay, which is actually a good delivery system for weirdness. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll also notice that although everyone singles out Dream Warriors as being like. One of the better nightmare sequels because the whole dream powers make sense. There's also a lot of shit in that movie that makes no sense whatsoever. Like everything involving Freddy's corpse just getting up, the skeleton yeah, rising like in the junkyard, like and, and what's it doing in like that one abandoned car? Yeah, it's yeah. really weird. So, but he's also he also wrote the David Cronenberg movie Maps to the Stars, which is a very I haven't seen that one. You know what? Yeah. It's not his best. But it's very Bruce Wagner. Okay. And he also did, and you'll find out a lot about this if you're uh, a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> uh, he also did the TV miniseries Wild Palms, which we reviewed on the Canceled Too Soon Monthly Movie, our Patreon-exclusive <laughs> podcast. And uh, that's one of the weirdest TV miniseries in history. And, and, and not just because... It's not bad, though. Uh, well, it's, it was one that we really couldn't decide if it was good or bad it's, because it was so ambitious and so odd. I think it's that particular... there was a lot to be ad- admired in it, even though we weren't sure if it was successful or not. That's my thing. It's, it's very particular. It's, yeah. ve- it's very much its own thing so that if it succeeded, it might still suck, but at least it was good at it. I don't really know. It was good at sucking? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, it's this sort of William Gibson-ish futuristic tale mm-hmm. about Hollywood in the near future and a cult led by Robert Loggia at his craziest end that's saying something, uh, taking over the world using hologram technology and sci-fi virtual reality drugs. Mm. And, and, and the Illuminati. And yeah, and you get to see like the little kid from Boy Meets World back when he was a little kid. As a like, psychopathic murderer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really weird, man. White Dwarf is more of that. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad... I'm- First of all, we said on our Wild Palms episode that it was kind of a – the fact that it existed was a direct consequence of the success of Twin Peaks. Mm. Uh, Twin Peaks burst onto the scene. It was incredibly popular. Nobody really knew why, and it was very strange. And so it kind of opened the door for stuff – well, for the Bruce Wagner stuff. Mm-hmm. Equally ambitious, equally strange, equally opaque. And I think – I kind of admire that there was this this window was open and this little brief epoch of time in the mid to late nineties when you could slip in this weird crap, but before all of it failed and it slammed shut again. It's uh, just weird that that White Dwarf is one of them because it's expensive. I mean, mm. it's not the most expensive show we've ever done by any stretch of the imagination, but. This was not a cheap show. They had a whole bunch of sets. They had a whole bunch of different costumes. Obviously, they cheaped out on some of them. We've already made some comments. <laughs> and it's got all of these random ideas and subplots running around. And there isn't a lot of focus to it. 
partially because I assume a lot of these would be like resolved over the course of the series and it feels like they shot kind of a hasty ending in order to wrap it all up make it work as a tv movie but like as it kept cutting from okay and now driscoll's having melancholy tetherball with the shape-shifting creepy kid and then we cut to the immortal princess in the prison that'll be important later no it won't uh it, it will because driscoll goes into to uh cure her of some disease and they and they start a romance no no that's a different princess no, that's this princess. No, that's the princess. Of, that's the princess of the dark side. No, it was Lady X. No, it was not. I, I'm mixing up my princesses. There are too many princesses. We wouldn't even get to the other princess because uh, that Michael Bolton guy who was, wants to take over the kingdom of darkness and is, and is trying to murder his yeah. father. Yeah, his fiance is another princess, and she falls in love with Driscoll. I thought he was in love with Lady X. He, they had a flirtation, but no, no, they didn't. Because she's not allowed to leave. Oh, remember well, she, he actually I, like saw her at a party. Oh, also, also, wait, yeah. wait. No, seriously, seriously, <laughs> like, I was watching this with my wife, uh, Michelle, and she had the best comment. They should have called this Meanwhile the series. <laughs> Meanwhile, in ev- this other corner. Every other scene is, like, an introducing a new thing, and it doesn't really connect. Mm. And then they'll just sort of add random shit. Like, oh, uh, by the way, uh, they had a puma hunt on the dark side, and the puma escaped to the light side, mm. and now it's in the hospital, and Driscoll tries to, like... Well, Driscoll thinks it's the shapeshifting boy at first like yeah. oh come on you know you're not supposed to shapeshift in the hospital you know it makes you sicker and he just and, keeps getting closer and closer to and he's just sort of stroll well it's a panther he keeps oh, on yeah. strolling up to a panther he's like hey panther oh, come on stop being a panther please stop being a panther hey i'm over here wow you're a real panther i'm gonna start walking backwards very slowly now and then akata comes in and then Akata comes in and displays his superpowers. Yeah, by the way, Akata, in addition to being the only person who knows how to use the tissue gloves, mm. uh, he also has the ability to kill with his breath. So he inhales deeply like the big bad wolf in a cartoon, mm. and then he exhales onto the panther and really loud, and it like it's cuts like a to like, yeah, yeah. like it cuts to outdoor stuff. Mm. Like just like, like some kind uh, of shot outside and birds fly out of the tree. And yeah. Yeah, and then the panther's dead, and he's just like, "Good." This is this is something I picked up in my travels. I can, By the way, I can scream people to death, and they are called and it, in. And it, he reveals that he was born on the dark side mm-hmm. and now lives on the light side, and which fact, rarely happens. And in fact, he actually spent many years in prison because mm-hmm. he could have been king of the dark side, but it didn't work out that way. And so now he's on the he was in the prison for a bit, so he learned all of his magical shit from uh, from Ash. And uh, then he's called in to the king of the dark sides aside. It's mm. an odd thing to say. Side side. And uh, it turns out the king has has the godhead. Nothing we can do. Can't well, cure him. Doesn't just have it. His son gave it to him. Well, it's his son, future son in law. Future son in law gave it to him. And uh, yeah, but like it's too far advanced. There's nothing they can do. So he uses the his, breath his, thing, his, which we introduced three minutes ago. His death breath. Yeah. So he kills the king. But oh. Yep, uh, hold on. Nope, this isn't going to be a series. We've got to wrap this one up. So there's a quick dialogue scene where Akata says, Oh, Michael Bolton did it. And Michael Bolton's like, Damn you! And then Michael Bolton gets taken to prison mm-hmm. and they shove a proboscis down his mouth while the dog man talks about how many card games he knows. Thousands. Oh. Um, uh, and they, they put the, like, they have this weird sort of like dental appliance and we get to see the, the proboscis in action only yeah. in that one scene. Then does Never fall into like a and coma, yeah, ne- and be- yeah, because Never's been shape shifting too much, and it's like weighing on his brain and actually making him sicker. He falls into a coma, mm. and 
a great way to cure people. Like when you're about to die or you're dying on this planet, mm-hmm. your soul floats out over the ocean mm. and the ocean on this planet is blood red mm. except for the blue part on the beach where they couldn't composite Shh. it <laughs> you're not supposed to notice that you're only supposed to notice that it's blood red in the composite so cch pounder and the two twins take uh, uh driscoll out to the blood red ocean they say to they're, basically they're only- yell at the ocean until never comes back well they say there's only one way to cure him it's essentially the power of prayer and he's like well i'm a doctor i believe in you know the physical actually tinkering with you know the very fabric of life and i'm not going to just pray that's not going to do anything so he sort of sits back and just sort of watches them and he's still in that sort of asshole mode Mm. it's like i'm going to take in the local customs yes that's what i'm doing right here and then he realizes oh wait but this kid is dying i'm going to do whatever i can to save him because i'm now more compassionate in this moment that's his big change Mm -hmm. he rushes out and starts screaming at the ocean they scream out his name and that calls his soul back it's worth noting that this series is supposed to take place, like this pilot episode is supposed mm-hmm. to take place over the course of six months, which I'm pretty sure is something they added in voiceover mm-hmm. to make it seem like he had more of a journey. Yeah. Because it ends with they've saved the peace treaty, never's okay, mm-hmm. uh, and then Driscoll's got to go back home, but then he comes back in a few months realizing yeah. he missed the place, and this is where he's going to stay now. And well, I just feel like they probably I'm- just would have cut that last bit out and had him just continue mm. his adventures on the show. Yeah, the, There's no reason to take him home yet. The, the weird... Well, because he, he said at the the head, you know, that he was only going to be there for six months. Right, but this... And you think he would just sort of, could have, like, sent a telegram saying, no, I'm staying. Mm-hmm. He didn't necessarily have to leave, wait a year, and then come back. I feel like the first season would have been those six months, though. Like, all of mm. these events, they're kind of epic, but they could have taken place... Over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, there really didn't need to be six months worth. I don't get that much character development from him over this time. So This is a TV show, so you can condense stuff. You can say this this huge epic event only took place over a couple days. Yeah, exactly. It's a TV show. And you can also expand stuff. And you can let his art take place over a longer amount of time. And that would have been okay. Um... Man, this show is weird. <laughs> well, uh, the the to- it's so hard to put your finger on the tone of this thing because it, it's clearly going for I mean it's it's sci-fi but it's not hard hard sci-fi. It's clearly like this weird mixture of sci-fi and fantasy. Mm-hmm. But it's I- not going for anything tech and it's not going straight for them like castles and magic even though it has those things in it yeah it has the same tone as that ewok movie with the evil wizard okay where it's kind of yeah, like uh, battle for endor the battle for endor where it's kind of like this science fiction mm. woodsy battle in one half and on the other half is just straight up magic well, i think it actually has a proto firefly feel to it as well because mm. the idea of firefly was it's the future and you know the space travel and this kind of stuff and they're like this like central hub like earth or like whatever type of planet like Earth they had, because it wasn't actually our galaxy, but they had a central oh, wow, planet. Okay. Yeah, they like had to find a new planet. And there was full of inhabitable planets. Are, are they are they humans or are they Star Wars beings? In fire, you never saw Firefly? No. Okay, yeah, they're humans. They're humans, but it's in the no, future. You, you know they, I haven't seen Firefly. I, I thought you, I thought you saw some of it. Okay, no. no. The idea of Firefly was it's in the future. We had to escape Earth. Earth sucked, mm. and uh, like we, we used up all its resources. But we found a galaxy that was full of inhabitable planets. So there's mm. a whole bunch of them, and there's like a central like earth-like planet which mm. has like you know it's kind of like that main city in the hunger games all the technology is there all the fanciness but the further out to the like the rim of the galaxy you get mm. 
the the lamer it is and like the less technology and, <laughs> yeah. and people are living like literally like frontier like with like horses mm. and buggies and they have some lasers or something like that but mm. they're not going to build a whole like nuclear power plant out there it's mm. not worth it so you're able to do kind of both okay and i get the impression from white dwarf is that this is supposed to be that kind of frontier thing where like we know the technology we occasionally have like a shuttle mm. coming from earth that'll take you 6 months but mostly we just have what was actually already on this yeah. planet and this planet is somewhat agrarian somewhat medieval mm. um and they all there's probably a scientific explanation for all the magic but it's indistinguishable from magic because it's weird yeah and just the visual palette is and i think i read a note from the producer that they were really ins- the look of the of white dwarf was inspired by like old sci-fi book covers which often had very little to do with the content of the book <laughs> but they, but they were really exciting they were usually these hand painted covers and they had these really wild alien like there was more imagination in that than even in some of the the wilder like cgi fests and i feel like a lot of feature films are inching closer and closer to that sci-fi book cover from the 60s kind of vibe mm-hmm. to it like well, when we reviewed John Carter I think that was one of them they were yeah. trying to capture that look well I've always felt uh, like I think I think Thor Ragnarok is another one of those <laughs> movies um, I feel like I feel like those types of movies, something mm. like Jupiter Ascending or Thor Ragnarok or mm. Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, I feel like they're movies that are trying to live up to the promise of every B-movie sci-fi movie poster uh-huh. that looked way cooler than what they could actually do. And now they can actually do it, so yeah. they're, they're, and they're trying, and still too ambitious. We're not there yet. I, if they called any of those things Star Wars, they would have been a big hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Jupiter, Jupiter Ascending, they just called it Star Wars, and it was a spinoff oh. that took place on another planet. People would have been like, ooh, if it's, if this it, is good. If it was just like Lunkhead Warrior Man meets Garbage Planet, you know, no one would have seen that movie. But since they called it Thor, everyone went to see it. Exactly. I'd rather see Lunkhead Warrior Man meets Garbage Planet. I would also like to have that shirt. <laughs> Lunkhead Warrior Man meets Garbage Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Albert Pune. Um, and it's 1987. Uh, yeah, so White Dwarf is cl- like, there's a, an image right at the beginning of White Dwarf where there's a guy like driving a horse carriage like in Dracula. and But mm. the the co- coach driver uh, is wearing like a full face mask with big round goggly eyes and a top hat. And I th- got the impression that he was meant to be a robot. And that's something you might see on on one of those science fiction book covers. Like yeah. it's it's one familiar image juxtaposed with this weird robot thing. A lot of it looks like we got to go to Comic Con. We promised our significant other we'd cosplay, <laughs> but, we, but we don't have. We're just gonna we just throw something together. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so we're gonna take. Oh, I have a, a, a Star Lord mask from Guardians of the Galaxy mm. and a V for Vendetta hat mm. and like a, a, a cape left over from a pirate costume, like, what, and what, that'll do. What are you? I'm White Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone be like. Probably, yeah. All right, fine. That, that checks out. What are you from? I'm from White Dwarf. Oh, yeah, I like that. Note, look that up. That guy's cooler <laughs> than me. Hey, it, it, hey, listeners, if you're into cosplay, try that sometime. Make up a costume, try to pass it off as something totally legit, and see how many people you can find. I've been with. to so many Comic-Cons. Every once in a while you see like a cosplay that's just so good that just like they, they popped off a screen or something, and they're yeah, really great. Yeah. But the best, the truly the best cosplays mm. are the one percenters. Yeah. Where yeah. you're just like, Wow, I'm what? the only other person in this room of 50,000 people who got that. <laughs> hey, you're Bondo Man. Yeah, I'm Bondo Man. 
Everybody loves Bondo Man. Look up Bondo Man. That's a real thing. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. No, like, the aesthetic is super strange. Mm-hmm. It's nonspecific, which makes it hard to sell. Yeah. Um, it's, I, it, it was sort of proto-steampunk, in a way. Absolutely. I think steampunk yeah. was, was, in, was nascent at that point. It hadn't it, it, become popular. Yeah. But, like... Like I think the, the well, seeds had I, already been planted. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know like when the word steampunk became sort of in common usage. Um, there was a comic book called Steampunk. That was the first time I'd heard of it. But, um, but I think a comic book came like after it was already popular, wasn't it? I think so. I, I'm I, trying to see if I can find anything that's in, sort of in my brain. Steampunk <laughs> is a phenomenon of the early 2000s. So mm. I, yeah, I don't know the legit steampunk, origins of it. Apparently, according to this Wikipedia, online, yeah. so like you know, take with a grain of salt. First, 85% accurate Wikipedia. Uh, first known appearance of the word steampunk was in 1987, although it has been retroactively applied to works of fiction from earlier. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just uh, which, which is what happens so, usually when we re- when we like sort of invent a genre. Uh-huh. It's usually because we realize it already existed and hadn't been codified yet. That's how we got the film noir, for example, mm. because a bunch of French film critics realized, oh wait, you know all those detective stories with a whole lot of stylistic and narrative similarities, but Americans just called them mysteries. Yeah, they actually have like. A particular genre, and we're going to call it film noir. Yeah, um, like, well, they weren't all mysteries, but most of them were crime related. Although I, I do kind of bristle a little bit when people call King Kong a kaiju film. King Kong's King Kong. Godzilla's a kaiju film. I know, I know. Potato, yeah, potato. Yeah, I'm going to let it go. We, we can argue on I'm, that. I'm one. actually going to be fine with it. I think okay. <laughs> kaiju with an asterisk because it hadn't been invented yet, mm. and we'll just let it go. All right. Um, but yeah, White Dwarf is just indescribable. Like mm. it's, it doesn't really fit anything. Um, and on top of it all, it's actually just a really terrible introduction to this world because there's too much going on. There's too much going on, and Neil McDonough isn't there for a lot of it. And on top of that, he's a bad introduction to it anyway because I don't like him. <laughs> like, well, I, don't, I, I think the central relationship is very good mm-hmm, between Neil McDonough and mm-hmm, Paul Winfield. And Paul Winfield, yes, because Neil McDonough is the young hotshot, mm-hmm. and Paul. Winfield is the you know the old sage, and uh, one can sort of take the other under his wing, and one can have sort of that naivete and that bluster, and the other one can have the the wisdom to temper that. And had the series continued, if it was about the two of them as co-leads, that's a good series. Mm-hmm. About frontier medicine, hotshot doctor, older doctor, it just happens to take place in sci-fi steampunk world. The problem is that the, the hotshot okay, doctor... That yeah. is enough. Yeah. But then you had all that other shit. But the problem even with that and what they screwed up was the hotshot doctor, it's one thing to say he's naive. He needs to be dapper and charming. Yeah. Like we have to like it's like Han Solo at the beginning of Star Wars. Yeah. He's doing everything for his own selfish reasons, but we like him enough because he is capable, because he is sexy, because he yeah. is he's funny. Um, because he's, con- he's cynical, he's, he's cynical in an otherwise optimistic environment, or like mm-hmm. everyone just sort of accepts everything, and he just says mm-hmm. no. He's like the worst improv partner ever. <laughs> it's like no, but like to everything, like oh, the force is real. No, no, well, uh, I, we we all agree we're in Star Wars. Yeah, no, I'm not buying it. Not buying it for one fucking second. There was this. <laughs> I, I learned recently there was this like in that bar scene where we first met uh, Han Solo. Yeah. There was evidently a scene where he had like a floozy on either side of him that was cut. Oh, 
Like he, so he was also yeah, also, to me. also like a super sexual guy and in a, an older cut of the movie. I, I buy that, but mm. like my point is that he's dashing, and you would want to see his adventures. Mm. Here, I only want to see this guy get taken down a peg. Yeah. So I'm not really with his adventure. I don't want him ever to succeed on his own merits. I want the rest of the movie to wear him down. And I think we could have found oh. a balance there I'm, where he had lessons to learn, but also he's not despicable. <laughs> well, we we. Sp- we first meet him and he's already on Rusta. Mm-hmm. He, so it's not like we live in his world and we see what a jerk he is and we can kind of relate to his plight. He's already there. We, as audience members, can see this kind of gloriously strange world that he's supposed to be in awe by and is ignoring. Mm-hmm. So I I understand why, that he's if he's a cynical bastard, I think it works just fine. The problem is we need to look at... Rusta and see essentially Pandora. We need Mm -hmm. to see something that is so spectacular that it's just a matter of time before he sees what we are already seeing. Or at least so unusual. Rusta, it's it's unusual, but not in that kind of like fascinating way. It's unusual in kind of an off-putting way. Well, that's my point. Like, you know, it's like, um, okay, you look at the director's cut or the extended cut of Avatar, Mm. where we actually do see a couple of scenes on Earth before Jake goes into so, space it's, and it's an improvement if you ask it, me it, it is it actually really that, that's the extended cut of avatar is actually a lot better mm. and i still have a lot of problems with it but it's a better <laughs> cut uh but just that contrast is really really effective because you just get to see how lifeless mm. and dystopian and kind of robotic mm. earth has become and then you go to pandora and it's a fucking paradise and you're mm. like i totally get mm. why he would become enchanted with this um here I mean, granted they don't have the budget for it but they there's no like huge hyper you know technological contrast to this rustic planet, they, so they, we don't have. To, well, they had to allude to it in dialogue. So we had uh, Neil McDonough say things like, you, "There was a lot of talk of big cities, and I have to go back to the big city, and he's mm. specifically New York in yeah. AD thirty forty. So I guess it's still called New York. It's lasted well. Oh. Park Avenue is still a thing. Yeah. They call it Pork Avenue here on uh, here on Rasta, which is funny because because you know what. The word pork is funny at every circumstance. It's a funny name. It's, it's funny as a noun. It's funny as an adjective. It's funny as a verb. It's funny. <laughs> it's just funny. It's You know what? Pork is especially funny as a verb because we used that as a sex slang in the fourth grade and it made us snicker a lot. <laughs> yeah, and it was stupid then and it's stupid now. Stupid then and it's there's still an eight-year-old in me who I loves I, it. I think white men can't jump ruined the use of that ironic uh, for, as anything but ironic. I haven't heard anyone actually use that word since white men can't jump. The word pork as a verb. As a verb. I think it's dead. I think it's dead. When did they, how did they use it in White Men Can't Jump? They said never say that. They, said never say <laughs> they just said never say that. That's a terrible way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> White Men Can't Jump yeah. just ruined it for everybody. And, I, and I'm glad. <laughs> I think we're done with it. Like we're not. We're even staying away from it a little bit. It's, it's kinda really. Gr- it's it's kind of gross. Good. That one and humping. We said we're humping done. A lot. We're done with this whole line of conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um... If White Dwarf had lasted 100 episodes, I'd have been very surprised. But here's what I want to do. I want to do a little exercise here. Because as uh, Michelle very clearly articulated, this is Meanwhile the Series. Mm. When we think about where we go after 100 episodes, there's no fucking way to know. So what I'm going to do is we're going to play a little improv game here. Where I'm going to describe basically... one thing that could happen on White Dwarf. I'm going to say meanwhile, and you're going to with some other completely random thing. Oh, and then you're going to say right. meanwhile, and okay. then I'll do it, and we'll come up with an episode of White Dwarf. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Okay, so episode two of White Dwarf. Mm. Uh, 
Driscoll is yeah. once again drunk at a tavern, but the tavern is full of scorpion people who are in the middle of a religious ceremony, and he has deeply offended their beliefs. Meanwhile, um, m- meanwhile, Akata has started to merge with a nearby rock because of some spiritual crisis that he's been having. Mm. He he wanders out blind and into the desert and he starts to fuse with a rock and he needs to be coaxed out. Mm. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, waiting for it. Meanwhile, oh, uh, meanwhile, CCH Pounder uh, is on a date with her uh, new boyfriend. Her new boyfriend is Osh, the keeper of the uh, of the keep. Okay, she's, um, she's dating Osh. She's dating Osh. It's a pity date. But um, Osh is in love with Lady X. Like I said, it's it's a it, Lady X is encouraging him to go out, and Osh is not in the mood for it. So, so it's just he's doing it to do it. And CCH Pounder took pity on mm-hmm. him, and he's like, "Fine, mm-hmm. we're gonna go. We're gonna hang out." And they decide to go to the most popular uh, recreation area in all of Rusta, which is, of course, uh, a giant bouncy castle. Meanwhile... I I, I would call it, like, a zero-grav chamber, just to make it sound a little bit more adult. Meanwhile... (laughs) Meanwhile... Never has decided to imitate one of the twin girls... Both of the twin girls. Ah, at the same time? Were they holding hands with their one organism? Yeah. Ah! So now he... And he's trying to see if he can imitate uh, more than one person, and it's it's ripping his brain apart. Meanwhile... uh, Meanwhile... (laughs) uh, Driscoll has had to uh, uh, sort of make it up to the scorpion people uh, by curing a disease that turns the scorpion people into fungus uh, that actually, surprise, fungus which yields uh, uh, flowers that are made of solid gold which Driscoll can use to improve his finances. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, Akata, who is now half rock, half man, uh, pieces of him begin to break off, and he begins seeing visions of people from his past, which are clearly, in uh, the eyes of the filmmaker, uh, symbols for the devil. And we get sort of Christ suffering in the desert as a symbol, and pieces of him break off and burrow into the desert, offending the scorpion people below. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Meanwhile, CCH Pounder has a very awkward date with Osh because in the middle of that jumpy castle, what, were you, what did you call it? The, the Zero Grav Chamber. The Zero Grav Chamber. Uh, Osh actually got nauseous and threw up all of his goo, and now everyone else at that Grav Chamber is going to live like another like 30 years without aging. And it's really oh, embarrassing for everybody involved, and CCH Pounder is just like, ah. Okay, now you're getting silly. <laughs> <laughs> White Dwarf. White <laughs> was White Dwarf canceled too soon. Um, you know this is sort of like Steel Justice. I want I want to see what the hell they were going to do with this. Um, I'm not necessarily drawn really involved into this world, but it's unique enough that I would like to see more of it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I do like the arc of Neil McDonough's character. I was the hot shot who's a little bit humbled. He's going to have to explore this world, and I think if it had gone to series. They would have been able to explore a lot more of these like complex things that were just dumped on our faces right away. 
if this had been a one hour of like just a, a single episode pilot, this is a TV movie. It's two hours. Yeah. If this had been a one hour pilot, an hour thirty without hour 30, commercials. If, if there was just like one hour and they introduced us just to some of it, and there was a dark side, and we never went there. There was no talk of the civil it war. It was kind of mysterious. Yeah, like sort of what's mysteri- going on this, over that wall? This other premise that's just sort of waiting to be explored in further episodes. That would have been a good way to sort of introduce us, and I think we would have gotten the information a lot more slowly, and we would have been able to handle it a lot better. Hmm. Yeah. But, but because they gave us dark side, light side, death screaming, shape-shifting, visions of souls over oceans, and CCH powders bu- bustle, it was just too much in your brain at the same time, and it just was a mess as a result. So I think it had it gone to series... They would have been able to scale it back a little bit. It wouldn't have stayed at this level of crazy throughout. Wouldn't that have ruined its charm? Maybe. I mean, we have enough information now. Now we can kind of slowly start strolling. Mm, I see what you're getting at. Uh, I think this was canceled just the right time. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad this exists because it's weird. Mm. And if you like crazy sci-fi mm. and you feel like you've seen everything, you probably haven't seen White Dwarf and it might be worth tracking down. A part of me would like to see like the pitch Bible for this just because I am. <laughs> I'm curious where we go, but I don't think I'd want to watch it. Mm. I just want someone to just give me the gist. Like this sounds like the sort of thing where it's like, yeah, I gave up on that show like halfway through the season. I'm mm. just curious enough to find out what happened on Wikipedia, but not enough to actually dedicate the time it would take to watch it. <laughs> That's how I feel about White Dwarf. Mm. I feel like White Dwarf probably you mentioned, and I saw this too. I'm not sure how mm. where the quote came from. The idea that it was inspired by old pulp sci-fi covers. If this were a yellow-paged like dog-eared used Mm. book I found at a bookstore and this was like the first third of it Uh uh-huh this would be a pretty good book like (laughs) Like, I'd want to read this book I'm like this book is nuts I kind of like this I hope they never make it to a movie because it would never work like that's kind of how I feel here's the question you make a two hundred million dollar feature film of this white dwarf, then you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> There's well, no way. That's a terrible well, idea. If, if, if it's a bigger, slicker production, That's would still... this would this be a better show? No. <laughs> like you know, and and it's too straight. Rather than you know, without no, I... commercials, it's ninety minutes. You could stretch it out into like two hours, twenty minutes. I think the naivety can have is all part of, the, of the weird sci-fi stuff that looks much better, and you no. know, make it even more detailed. No, this is a terrible idea. Okay. Everything is a terrible idea. Like the bigger this gets, the worse it gets. They, like, <laughs> pilot episode for a TV series is as far as White Dwarf should have gotten, if you ask Aww. me. Like again, I, I'm mildly charmed by it, and I'm, I'm glad this existed. I enjoyed watching it when I was younger. Mm. Watching it now, I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but I'm glad I got to revisit it. There are mm. bits in it I like. Still think the tissue gloves look cool. Um, but yeah, no, now we're good. We're good. I think we're good. All right. I think we're fine with White Dwarf. (laughs) Uh, That is, um, wow, that's the conclusion of year two. Year two of of Canceled Too Soon. Holy crap. Almost 100 episodes. We made it to our second season. Through our second season. Well. We're about to enter season three, which is when stuff gets good. (laughs) God help us, we hit season six. We we had a little bit of a stumbling block when we killed off Yar. Six seasons in a movie. Um... (laughs) 
Is that that's the rule? Six seasons, one movie, and that's it. This community had a joke about that, where they're actually it's a show we still haven't done yet, The Cape. Like characters, <laughs> uh, characters on Community were like big fans of the Cape, uh-huh. and uh, they kept saying, "We'll, we'll it's get gonna to, last oh, we'll six get seasons in a movie." That was uh, the plan. Six seasons in a movie. Yeah, the, the Cape was canceled after I think ten episodes. It didn't even last that long. Yep, six seasons in a movie. That's one of the show's most quoted lines. Six seasons in a movie. Yeah, you know what? American TV scheduling allows certain shows to like just go on forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. And if once you reach season ten, you're you're well past your prime. Generally speaking. What show got uh, uh, soap operas notwithstanding? Yeah, those, those what, never those yeah. never end. There's never yeah. like a season. They just what kept going. what show like hit its stride in season ten? I guess Doctor Who is another exception. Yeah, Doctor Who keep, keeps like repeating. It's like yeah. keeps reviving itself, and mm. they get a great mechanism for it. Mm. So like, Doctor Who is the best example of that. Yeah, is there, but Doctor Who is almost like a soap at this point. They're just going to keep on going for as I long mean, as they the can. The Simpsons got better and then got worse a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, um, Meet the press. <laughs> the meet the press. Get Sixty minutes. Come on. <laughs> Talking about like a, a fictional scripted program. Well, there aren't many. Jeopardy. That last the, there aren't many that last that long. That's true. Just, but you look at something like Friends. I think Friends lasted ten seasons. Oh yeah, and then the last few seasons. I think sucked. yeah. I think even Friends fans would agree. Uh, South Park got better as it went along for a while. There Did it? for a while. Uh, mm, for a while, for a while, like it started off okay. There were a couple seasons that were shit. Then it hit a groove for a bit, mm. and then it started to suck. And I don't even know. I haven't watched it forever. Yeah, actually, yeah. So I don't know. Um, CSI. I don't know. I haven't watched it. That's fodder <laughs> I for think, uh, for I the think, randomizer uh, you know that gets picked up. And the Law and Order shows just sort of held steady. Yeah, they, they they never they never crested, they never troughed. They were just good, steady, solid entertainments, kind of straight through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's hard to think of ser- shows that really get good like in year eight. I so I know. think six seasons is a good, healthy length for any TV show. Um, yeah, and, and we'll uh, I'd love to hear from our listeners if you have some some ideas too, like a good TV show that really started to crest late in its life. Yeah. Like, the, the, the last season was the best season. Yeah, maybe that. Uh, so, yeah, email us. Let us mm. know uh, shows that got better as they mm. went on and got old. Not just, like, after, like, two seasons, but after, like, season mm. five started to get better. Be very curious to find out about that. Mm. Um, but also, uh, uh, we should talk about this now. Mm. Uh, we are about to take a break. Yes. We one are. week break, one week off. Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy. Uh, so that we can start preparing for the next year's worth of shows. Uh, but after we return from that break, we'll be returning with the second annual Cancel Too Soon Awards, mm-hmm. the Sunnies, <laughs> in which Whitney and I will look over every series we reviewed over the last year and pick out the best, the worst, the weirdest, the most frustrating cliffhangers, the catchiest theme songs. <laughs> and we are going to send it out to you, mm-hmm. uh, dear listeners. We are going to have a poll up on our Patreon page, but you can also submit through email. Mm-hmm. We're asking you to pick... Your favorite episodes of Cancelled Too Soon from this year. So every episode mm-hmm. from My Mother the Car onward of mm-hmm. the actual series, not the bonus episodes, qualifies. Mm-hmm. So you just tell us your top three, rank them, let us know, one, two, three, your fav- first favorite, second favorite, third favorite. Uh, we're going to have a page on that for Patreon. And if you want to, if you're not on our Patreon, we understand. Email us canceled too soon at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put everyone who votes, you only get one vote for customer. Everyone who votes, we're going to put your name in a hat. And we're going to pick two winners. 
when all is said and done, in addition to announcing who what what episode won. Yeah, it doesn't matter if what you voted for won. Your name goes in a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll tell you what everyone's favorite episode of Cancel Too Soon was, and we'll try to give you more shows like that in the future. Uh, but if we draw your name out of the hat, the winner will get to force us to do any Cancel Too Soon series of their choice. Mm-hmm. Only rule is it has to meet our rules, and we have to be able to find it. That's it. Yeah. If we can do that, we have to do it. If you have some some savvy way uh, or some way to access the show that we may not, mm-hmm. uh, let us know. Like if it's hard to find, but you yeah. have it on VHS or something like that, we can have a conversation. But yeah, uh, yeah. and then a runner-up will get to uh, force us to do an episode of the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie of their choice. Mm. So you'll be able to force us to watch any TV movie, miniseries, special Anything at all. Again, mm-hmm. we just have to be able to find it. Okay. Uh, so either join us on Patreon, put a comment on the page that we're about to put up there, uh, or email us, canceltoosoon at gmail.com. Make sure you put uh, Cancel Too Soon Awards in the subject heading so we mm-hmm. don't miss your vote. Yeah. Uh, and then we will announce the winner on the next episode of Cancel Too Soon in two weeks. Sounds good. Should we read some letters? We should. Okay. Um, we uh, Yeah, and we also just read your letters, as, as you well know. And also we have one more uh, bonus episode uh, for uh, the pilot season. Yeah, where we're going to all the best will be coming up in a few more days, uh, and that as, will be as soon a, as we catch up with those movies. <laughs> all the best again. Yeah. It's the show where we'll review every uh, Oscar-nominated Best Picture mm-hmm. uh, in order, um, and so you do have one more episode coming up before the series. Okay. So. Here's a letter from Omar. Hello, Hi, Omar. Omar, dear Bibbs and Whitney, I'm excited to hear about your four pilot projects. Ooh. Uh, I think the random episode one sounds like a great idea. Uh, I'm annoyed that I never thought of doing that. <laughs> um, I don't think I'll be interested in a game show one, but if anyone can convert me, it's YouTube. Finally, the uh, kind of canceled podcast is a fun idea. That's um, randomizer. Uh, no, I think uh, we were talking about doing like a theme month. In oh, which we were, right. like Kind of canceled. Yeah, where it was uh, just the, like they don't quite fit our rules, yeah. but maybe. But the kind of canceled podcast is a fun idea for me as a listener, but I know you guys are opening the floodgates with that one. Mm. Although uh, it would let you talk about Constantine, which I really would like you guys to do. Mm-hmm. I think Constantine might be the first show on your list to be rescued from the scrap heap. That's not true. Doubt was rescued from the scrap heap. Technically. Aired, if it wasn't picked up, but they did air the other episodes. They aired it, they canceled it, then they aired the rest of the episodes. Yeah. So. Um, I know John Constantine is going to join Legends of Tomorrow, but he'll have his own show by 2020 again, I think. Okay. Well, we're going to hold you to that, Omar. <laughs> uh, if you're incorrect, we're, we're coming after you. We're not coming after you, don't worry. Uh, I know you haven't asked for it, but I'm going to give you my two cents on Constantine really quickly. It was okay. canceled too soon. Oh. Episodes 11 through 13 are really terrific, but the show starts off slow. It hits all the cliches of a show like Supernatural in early episodes before becoming its own thing in, in the last three episodes. That's my take. Cheers, lads. Omar from Qatar. Yeah. Uh, oh, thank you very much. Uh, two things with that. One, yeah, the kind of canceled wasn't going to be a bonus podcast. Uh, that would be like a month in which we do a bunch of shows that... Mm. Don't really fit our rules, but we get so many requests for them that we might as well do them. Uh-huh. Um, in which case, we might do Constantine if that's the case. As for Constantine being canceled too soon, I like knowing that it got better. It explains a lot of this fandom because I watched the first mm. couple episodes and I was like, I like the guy. I think it's Matt Ryan is the name of the actor. Like, I like him. Mm. But the show itself seemed pretty generic. And that really mm. frustrated me because... I was a big fan of the Hellblazer comics, and they're anything but generic. Yeah. So I like knowing that they got better. That's good. Okay. Uh, here is a letter from Cecil. Hi, Cecil. 
Uh, hey guys, you recently made a challenge to recast a character and see if it would be good. I was thinking of recasting Samantha from Bewitched, but I don't know any actresses from that time, so I went for a different approach. I recast Samantha with Claudia Cardinale. <laughs> Uh, an actress who is still working today, uh, so she must have talent, assuming that they don't ruin it and write her character the same way, uh, that would have the feminist message, but also a race message. Well, Claudia Cardinale is well, Italian. She's Italian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see it. Mm-hmm. Claudia Cardinale, you know her from Fitzcarraldo, yeah, Eight and a yeah. Half, The Pink Panther. She's good. Uh-huh. Talented. Uh, it's an interesting thought experiment, though. They'd have to rewrite Darren a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You could have, uh-huh. a, could have a kind of like a... Uh, a drop. Hey, listen, we replaced Darren's. Why couldn't we replace a Samantha? <laughs> Just <laughs> switch them all out. Boom. Oh, hey, Claudia. Here's my idea. They're all Estelle Winwood. Every last one of them. It's a show of a dozen Estelle Winwoods living together. You just described my fantasy show. It's the best show ever right there. <laughs> it's called Winwood Wins. <laughs> Any which way but Winwood. <laughs> Every which way and Winwood. Mm. Um, here's another. Winwood loser draw. An- another one on that same, uh, all that. Yeah. Same light. Uh, Topher writes in. Um, Greeting, Whitney and Bibbs. I enjoyed your show on Alexander the Great. By the way, you might remember the quote about Alexander weeping from Die Hard with Hans Gruber's audition of Benefits of a Classical Education. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm writing to address you a challenge, classic shows that could have cast someone else. I have one general suggestion and one specific one. By the way, these are all shows I watched. Generally, every detective show in 1975 could have someone from from another show. James Garner could have been Beretta. Robert Blake, Mm. Beretta, could have replaced Michael Douglas on the streets of San Francisco, who could have been... (laughs) Who could have been cast in Hawaii Five O? Heck, I'd even say Hal Linden from Barney Miller could have been cast in McLeod with no issues. The only one I see as truly owning the role was Telly Savalas in Kojak. Yeah, uh, I don't know Robert Blake and Beretta. Like, yeah, I didn't really watch it. He's not Rockford. I didn't really watch it. James Garner is Rockford. Period. I will say, if you think that's funny, you should make sure you check out the pilot episode for Look Well, because mm. they basically make that joke. Yeah, yeah. Where the idea was Adam West was one of those, like, cops whose name was the title of the show, but everyone confused him for Banachek and yeah, every other ben, one. Banachek and Banigan and Bennigan and Brennigan. Yeah, these yeah. are all, all the same show. Uh, now onto a specific one, Wonder Woman. I can think of three actresses working then who could have been cast instead of Linda Carter, who sub- subsequently became household names later. It should have been A, Suzanne Summers, mm. who would go on to star in Three's Company two years later. That would have worked. Mm, would have been a different eh, vibe. Would, I think it would have been a different vibe. Mm-hmm. I kind of see it. Maybe. Uh, Catherine Bach from the Dukes of Hazzard. Uh, Dukes of Hazzard was four years later. Okay. Uh, that might have worked. Or... Uh, Jacqueline Smith, who would do Charlie's Angels. Oh, I can year. see. I can yeah. definitely see Jacqueline Smith. That makes sense. Uh, she would have owned the role, and uh, and if we got Linda Carter in her place for Charlie's Angels, that would have been just fine too. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Linda, Linda Carter, Linda Carter would have been a fine angel. Linda Carter works in anything. Yeah. Uh, all the best, Topher. <laughs> Thanks, Topher. Um, okay, let's see what we got here. Uh, mm. yeah. Um. Here's a letter from George White. That's the noise I make when I'm scanning through emails. Just by yourself. Speaking in tongues is what's going on. Um, 
When you were talking about your moments of what was that, i.e. sniffles, things only you remember, there's a very good British podcast called Looks Unfamiliar, where guests come in and talk about things that they only seem to remember from from forgotten toy ranges, i.e. food fighters or mad balls in the UK, at least. Oh, we're fond of mad balls. Mm. We might even do mad balls colon escape from orb on this very show at some point. Oh, yeah. That, that, well, here's here's a question about mad balls. Mm. They did a pilot episode for a TV series that never went anywhere. They released it on home video. I don't think it even aired on TV. I don't think so either. Called Escape from Orb, where yeah. they're space aliens and they also have bodies. Like don't remember they, that like part. Like they grow bodies. Weird. And then... That's the weird part. I just yeah. realized I just called that weird. That and they I have think, bodies. And then I think Madballs, like that same iteration of Madballs came back again in a second VHS tape. Did it? Does that count as like two TV movies? Can we do those? Or is that does that violate our rules? Well, were they episodes or movies? There were s- movies, like single TV specials that were only on VHS. That sounds like an episode of the monthly movie. Okay. We could do well, both, but they had to be on the monthly movie. I guess what we could do both in one monthly movie episode. Yeah. Okay. That's like how we do the yeah. My Pet Monster thing. <laughs> Uh, he talks about the female secret agent doll from the TV show Havoc! Exclamation point, or forgotten BBC kids dramas or Whiz Kids, they covered that too, mm-hmm. or weird ephemera like Screwtop Virgin Mary Holy Water Bottles. Trust me, they are a charming, common tchotchke in Ireland. Weird. Um, recommended. Uh, Ari, your talk of dead space. I noticed a lot of this, a uh, lot of shots of cars uh, trying to get to train stations and so on while watching Avalanche Express the Lee Marvin Robert Shaw Cold War thriller that is inexplicably awful for such a good premise. Um, oh, so he's talking about how the toys were used in in this one spy thriller. Mm. And why, well, both Robert Shaw and director Maude Robson died in post-production, and not even a salvage job by Roger Corman's brother Gene and Monty Hellman could save it. Uh, as for the Batman toys on the show, other actors considered for the role of Batman before Adam West were Lyle Wagner mm-hmm. and later Steve Trevor, uh, who went on to do uh, Wonder Woman, but BC, uh, D, excuse me, DC wanted Mike Henry. I don't know Mike Henry. Yeah. Uh, later, probably best known as Buford T. Justice's idiot son and Sally Field's fiance in the Smokey and the Bandit films. Okay, now I know him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have other points to make, but I'll keep them for another letter. Yours, George. Okay. Um, Here's one from Paul. Hi, guys. Uh, I just love the Cancel Too Soon podcast because of the enthusiasm that you both bring to the table. Each week is like a stroll down memory lane, potholes and all, smiley face. Now, forgive me if you've already (laughs) addressed... Is it it an emoji or an emoticon? It's an emoji. Oh, fancy. Yeah. Now, forgive me if you've already addressed the theme of this proposal, but while growing up in the 70s in the Midwest, I was a big fan of live-action Saturday morning programming because the programs were a nice change of pace to the normal slate of cartoons. Among the ones I watched and enjoyed were Space Academy, Arc 2, and Korg 70,000 BC, all of which sadly lasted just one season. Have you considered featuring any of the above for a dashing episode of Cancelled Too Soon? If so, I cannot wait to sit down with a bowl of Kix cereal and enjoy the journey back to a simpler time as you two tackle one of these gems with your usual superb aplomb. Um, I don't think those three specifically were on our list, but we do have stuff. We keep meaning to do Lidsville. Yeah, the, the Sid and Marty Croft yeah. acid trip from 76, I think um, that came out. Monster Squad was a live-action 70s uh, kids show from the Saturday morning. Mm. We did that one. Um, it's true. It, we haven't delved too deeply into uh, the the world of uh, kid friendly programming mm. and Saturday morning cartoons because 
uh, a lot of the cartoons we look into were repackaged and we're wondering how to tackle a lot of that. So we're just putting it off until we can figure it out. Yeah, the whole rule about lasting one season or less is kind of weird once you get to some of the syndicated stuff. And also mm. once you get to some of the animated shows where they were produced all in one chunk. So there are 60 episodes, but only one season. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. is that well, really the same thing? And, well, and some of them are daily shows. Sometimes it's just a matter of too much volume. It's like, mm-hmm. this is one season, but yeah, 65 episodes. That's, that's a lot. It's a chunk of our time. It's a big chunk. So of our time. Uh, we've been reluctant to do it for that reason. Um, yeah. And also everybody has different strange experiences with a lot of uh Saturday morning and, and kids programming mm-hmm. of uh, which there was never any shortage. Yeah, so and there's, there's, there's a, a lot to go through glut of short lived, obscure kids programming out there in the world. Um, there's been stuff I, I've been wanting to get to personally, and we just haven't had a mm. chance to, I still want to do uh, Benji Zacks and the alien prince, which was uh, the one where mm. Benji, the dog met a robot and an alien prince and got an mm. adventures. Mm. That's a thing. I've been looking into Project Geeker recently. Oh, God. Doug Tenaple's series after Earthworm Jim. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I vaguely remember Korg. I don't know the other two that you mentioned in your I letter. I feel like I might have seen some of Arc 2. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they kind of blend together. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll start looking into and amassing it. And again, another issue is our access. Mm-hmm. If we can see these shows, we'd be happy to cover some of them. Yes, and we're, our goal is always to be able to watch every episode of a thing if we mm-hmm. review it. Um, sometimes that means we can't review it at all. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> that means we can only review like an episode or two, and we feel like um, it's probably best to try to track stuff down. Mm-hmm. There is no shortage of material, and uh, yet there are, however pockets of tv that we really haven't touched a lot um we only did one game show uh, mm. on cancel too soon which is one of the reasons why we suggested it as a bonus podcast um we haven't really delved into reality tv uh which is something that someone mentioned that we should probably do if the randomizer mm. gets picked up we should just random episode of like real housewives of so-and-so would probably be an interesting to watch yeah, yeah. um that'd be a good reason to get into that um, but we haven't done as much car- many cartoons as we'd like. We haven't done as many sitcoms as we thought we would have by now. And mm. I think uh, next year we need to really dedicate ourselves to doing more of those. Because it's a huge bounty <laughs> of forgotten television. And, and, and we a, really haven't done a lot of an it. An embarrassing bounty. Yeah. So we have we have a lot more stuff to do. And mm. we will put those on the list. Thank you for the recommendations. Mm. Uh, let's do one more letter. All right. Here's a short one from uh, Steve. Hi, Steve. Uh, I'm sure others have mentioned it uh but there was a comic called Space Family Robinson, which I believe Irwin Allen based his series on. Oh, like literally? Um, I think it was not related to Lost in Space. Mm. I mean, Lost in Space was clearly inspired by Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. And he pitched it as Space Family Robinson, but I think someone else already had that idea first. Well, and also and wrote just, it into a comic book. Also, just the idea of taking classic literature and putting it in space was mm. not new either. Forbidden Planet is William Shakespeare's The Tempest. Mm. But in space, um, I think it came out more or less concurrently with uh, Robinson Crusoe on Mars, mm. which is, of course, an adaptation of Robert Louis Stevenson's Kidnapped. Of course. Um. <laughs> no, you're thinking of, you're thinking of a H. Ryder Haggard, Haggard's She. That's what it's in. That's no, what I'm thinking of. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, and Star Trek was also pitched as Wagon Train. Wagon Train was a popular yeah. show. And they said this. And the elevator pitch for Star Trek was very famously Wagon Train to the Stars. Uh, so yeah, they just keep on wagon training. They're traveling yeah. through space, and um, 
Yeah, I think that notion was just sort of leaking out into the consciousness at the mm-hmm. time, having that sort of frontier idea, but the frontier is now space. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the 50s and 60s. It was when we were talking about the space race a lot. We hadn't reached the moon yet. It was on people's minds. So yeah, it, it kind of makes sense that Star Trek and, and Space Family Robinson should land at the mm-hmm. same time. And I find it curious that within a year of each other, we have new iterations of both of those shows. Mm. There's a new Lost in Space and there's a new Star Trek. One of them is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did look it up just now. And yeah, mm. Space Walker Robinson does predate Lost in Space. Yeah. Although apparently after Lost in Space came out, they started calling Space Family Robinson Lost in Space. <laughs> they started they like just putting took the like, name? I don't know if they just took it, but they yeah. started like adding that as sort of like, it's uh. kind of like this. I'm like, oh, okay, shit. Um, so I don't think, I think there it's, it's and kind Irwin of a coincidence, Allen. but who knows? It, was it an Irwin Allen sanctioned project or is it just? No, I think it's a separate company. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it looks it looks to me mm. like the similarity is is mm. somewhat coincidental. Yeah, um, but you, uh, man, maybe I don't know. Do you want to do a longer uh, letter? Or, All right, let's do. Or, this is the last letter. Last one. This okay. one comes from Bone Steel. Hey, Bone Steel, love you, Bone Steel. Yeah. Hello, men of podcasting. Thank you. It makes us sound like a calendar. Yeah. <laughs> we are men of podcasting. It's just us fiddling with microphones, <laughs> but we're shirtless. That's the no. Point. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm wearing a nice shirt. Oh, I see. Is, is, is it open, at least showing off a little beefcake there? No, you Men people, of podcasting? Wait, people want to see the shirt. Oh, I, <laughs> It's a nice shirt. They, I, told, they, I told you it's a nice shirt. They bought the calendar for the shirt, yeah, of course. It's a good shirt. That's exactly yeah. why. Uh, people for, want to see us podcasting. Hmm. That's the gag. This is about the people. Full disclosure, I haven't seen the people, nor have I read the books. However, based on your conversation, I have a pitch for a reboot. Nice. <laughs> Episode one. Melody is brought into this secluded community as a new school teacher. The children behave oddly, and the town folk are divided on her presence. Some are hostile toward, towards her, while others treat her as a curious oddity to be wary of. Nevertheless, she finds the remote location a refreshing change from the city life, thus she is determined to stay. So far, you're describing White Dwarf. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god, there's a lot of overlap. A little bit. Oh my god, there is a lot of overlap. They're both Coppola productions. Coppola, you have weird, weird obsessions. Doctor goes to sci-fi location. That's his premise. Coppola! (laughs) Melody befriends Dr. Curtis, who has already ingratiated himself into the community. He admits that the children and the community is odd, but does not believe that there are sinister motives at play. Behind the scenes, however, there is the matriarch of the community, (gasps) Maud. Who is at odds with Lily, a 20-something, who is brought in for control slash influence. Lily wants to bring the community out of isolation while Maud does not. Through happenstance, about halfway through the first episode, Melody discovers that the children are special but does not know the full extent of their powers and backstory. Melody is not put off by the kids' abilities and, in fact, encourages them. There's a marketable difference in... A marketed difference in the the children's demeanor. Things could be okay, but toward the ends of the episode, the children are floating around the room when Maud, huh? who did not know that Melody knew of the children's abilities, happens upon them and freaks out. The uproar causes the child to fall and land on their head. The child cannot move. Oh no! Well, this is what happened. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's a reboot. You don't need to change everything. Okay. We're going to get to more. They need help, but who they turn to? Uh, is something like this has never happened in the sto- their society before, and that's the cliffhanger. <gasps> mm. <laughs> Sorry, epi- I, think I swallowed a bug. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's so much gasping. Uh, oh my god. In episode two, Dr. Curtis is brought in to help the child and learns of the children's powers. The rest of the season follows three different storylines. Uh, one, characters from the outside world are slowly brought into the community, with some with positive reactions. Two, the children learn about the cultures and customs of the outside world, also while developing their, their abilities. It is soon revealed that everyone in the town has powers. And they too, they too start learning about the outside world. 
the power struggle continues and it is unclear why now, after all these years, outsiders are starting to happen upon their secluded community. Is Maud causing this as a way of stoking fears or is this Lily doing the force of their community out doing this to force their community out into the open or is something due to the presence of Melody? Season two would be about the community venturing out into the surrounding towns and making their presence known more. Season three would be ah. a full out reveal to the world and who they are. Season four, they would jump the shark and would have a crossover with Rot Realty. I hope this... <laughs> I was literally just about to say, I like it, but can you make it an episodic series about lawyers? (laughs) (laughs) I was literally just about to make that joke. It's a good show, but it needs a lawyer. I hope this letter's not too long. As always, love the show, Bone Steel. Thank you, Bone Steel. Yeah, the people was weird. So was White Dwarf. The people Coppola's, was weird. Coppola yeah. is so fucking weird. And we have more Coppola to talk about this week. <laughs> critically acclaimed our other podcast yeah. over the Schmoes Know iTunes feed and the SK Plus YouTube channel. We're going to be, it's, it's a we're, cup of Coppola over there. Yeah, we're reviewing all of the Godfather movies and Avengers Infinity War. So be yeah. sure to check that out as well. Um, man. Avengers Infinity War, almost as weird as a, a Coppola joint. Almost as weird as White Dwarf. <laughs> no, I don't think it's as weird as White Dwarf. Yeah. Maybe Steel Justice. Um, everybody, thank you very, very much for listening to year two of Cancelled Too Soon, mm-hmm. uh, which has not been cancelled yet. Oh, it, because uh, we, we're the ones in we, charge of that. We belong to no man. We belong to you. We are our own master. We belong well, to you if actually, you're a Patreon yeah, subscriber. You're, you are our master. Uh, go to patreon.com slash canceled too soon. Canceled with one L. That's, that is an okay spelling. We checked. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can subscribe. Uh, you can subscribe for, for various tiers. We're going to make a few amendments uh, to our prize systems mm-hmm. uh, that will debut uh, next month. Uh, but it's actually going to be a way for you to get more out of us, more content out of yeah. us. So in addition to... We, we've been feeling guilty that we haven't been serving serving you enough. Yeah, we need to we so need to do more. Yeah. So we're going to do more. We're going to introduce a few new ways uh, for you to interact with us and for you to request content from us. Uh, but one of those ways is pilot season. We have one more pilot season episode. All the best. That will debut uh, this weekend. Uh, it'll be exclusive on Patreon for two days. Then it'll be out uh, for everyone mm-hmm. on the main feed. And then our Patreon subscribers get to decide which of those bonus episodes we've been debuting throughout April will be turned into a bonus a- a podcast that will only air for our Patreon subscribers. So if you join Patreon, you'll be able to get that bonus episode mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, also, whether you're on Patreon and voting on the Patreon page or emailing us, soon at gmail.com, be sure to vote for the Cancel Too Soon Awards so that you can force us to do an episode of your choice. We're going to put all the people who voted, put all their names in a hat, pick one at random. Hmm. You're, you might be you. Yeah. Last year we ended up doing Charlie Jade. <laughs> who knows what we'll do this year? Whatever you want, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll bypass the whole voting system and become extra special. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we'll be back in two weeks with the Cancel Too Soon Awards. Make sure you, uh, again, patreon.com slash cancel too soon or cancel too soon at gmail.com. Cancel Too Soon Awards, your top three favorite episodes of this show. Not shows that we've reviewed, episodes of the podcast. And we're going to use that to steer content in the future. Um, yeah, and then uh, should we tell them what we're going to do uh, 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 for, for the next episode after that? Because it's we'll, a... we'll, we'll hold off. Okay. We, we, we just dumped a lot of information. I think we teased so, a little uh, bit last week. Hmm. But uh, May's going to be a big one because we're coming up on our 100th episode. Hmm. And we got big, big stuff a-brewing. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, where are you on Twitter? I'm on at, I'm at William Bibiani. Uh, and we are both at Cancelled Cast. And I am at Whitney Seibold. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's about it. A, a wrestler just started following me on Twitter. Ooh, which so, one? Uh, I don't know her name. Oh. Some professional, like, WWE-style wrestler. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, 
very famous, very famous person. You're very I don't, popular. I don't have a lot of followers, but the followers I have have a lot of followers. Interesting. It's really weird. So, like, you're like an actor's actor or a comedian's comedian. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm big star. Like, nobody bought big star records, mm. but everybody who bought a big star record started a band. Mm. That's That's the statement about big star. Okay. You guys should get big star records. That's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season. We'll <laughs> be